Hi, everyone, and welcome to your midweek Bible study. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's great to be with you once again. Thanks for joining me. Today is Wednesday, September 6th. We're continuing in our study of 2 Timothy, and we're going to begin with 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, go all the way to the end of chapter 3, then cross over into chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. And we're going to talk about Paul's charge to Timothy and just exactly what that means. But before we get there, let's take a minute and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we worship your holy name. God, we are so thankful that we could join you today in this study. Lord, speak to us from your word today. Teach us your truth. In Jesus' name, then everyone said, Amen and Amen. All right, turn in your Bible or Bible app to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 10, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 4, verse 5. Here we go. Let's start. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And now chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to the sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and carry out the ministry God has given you. This is going to be great today. What a great passage we're going to be looking at. Okay, let's start 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. It says, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. Here's our opening question. This opening verse lists seven characteristics that Paul hoped Timothy would model. What are they? The first one is the content of Paul's teaching. It was the truth as opposed to the false teacher's lies, myths, and godless arguments. Timothy had been privileged to hear Paul teach many times and to many audiences on a variety of topics. Paul's teaching would be of no value if it did not impact his life, but it did, and the following characteristics reveal that. Second, Timothy knows how Paul lives. This phrase refers to Paul's manner of life, his general behavior. Timothy had lived and traveled with Paul. He had seen Paul happy, sad, angry, and worried. He had watched Paul handle difficult people and problems. He had seen him study and had heard him pray. Paul's way of life should have been a shining example to Timothy. Third, Timothy knows what Paul's purpose in life is, his central mission, his chief aim. 
Traveling with the tireless apostle must have quickly convinced Timothy of Paul's single-minded focus on his mission. Paul never took that call lightly. Fourth, Timothy knows Paul's faith. This is a general phrase that could include both salvation and ongoing faithfulness as a believer. Fifth, Timothy knows Paul's patience. Paul constantly commends the virtues of patience in his writings. Sixth, Timothy knows Paul's love. This is a key theme in Paul's letters and is most frequently explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And lastly, seventh, Timothy knows Paul's endurance, which can also be translated steadfastness or perseverance. This refers to a person's ability to remain strong under pressure. The bottom line here is that Paul expected Timothy to model these same character traits in Ephesus. Next up, verse 11, it reads, You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. The question is, in this verse, Paul refers to his persecution and suffering. Can you explain further? I think Paul mentions his persecution and suffering here to contrast his experience with that of the pleasure-seeking false teachers. These persecutions occurred during the first missionary journey. Paul had met Timothy at the beginning of his second missionary journey, but Timothy certainly had heard about those experiences. In 2 Corinthians 11 verses 22 to 33, Paul summarized his lifetime of persecutions and sufferings for the sake of the gospel. In Antioch, in Pisidia, the Jews stirred up some people and Paul was driven out, Acts 13:50. In Iconium, they were mistreated and stoned, Acts 14, verses 4 through 6. In Lystra, Timothy's hometown, Paul was stoned, dragged out of the city, and left for dead, Acts 14, 19. At times, Paul had been miraculously delivered and at other times he had to suffer through the persecution. I think Paul knew that God would deliver him as often as needed until Paul's work on earth was done. Indeed, Paul suffered in prison and certainly realized that he would be called on to face the ultimate persecution, death. Paul trusted God that his time had come, that his work had been completed, and that he would see his Savior face to face. Next, verse 12. It says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Our question is, in this verse, what is Paul telling Timothy? Paul knew from his own experience the truth that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution from an ungodly world. This stands in stark contrast with the prosperity gospel of our time, which teaches that faithfulness to God leads to material blessings in this life. Paul taught that godly living included persecution. His own life served as a living testimony to that teaching. Even at the time of this letter, Paul was in prison, awaiting pending death for his faith. The other apostles and many in the early church also experienced persecution for living a godly life in Christ Jesus. Traditionally, all of the apostles were martyred for their faith, except for John, who instead was exiled to the island of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. Hebrews 11 verses 39 to 40 speaks of the suffering many of God's people have endured. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. The rewards for God's people are eternal rather than just mere earthly blessings, though God may choose to provide material blessings as well. Verse 13 reads, 
But evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Our question is, even as believers faced persecution, Paul says some people will flourish. What does this mean? It means that these evil false teachers and wicked people were progressing toward their wicked goal and dragging others down with them. Paul often raised the alarm against the deceptions of these false teachers. In Romans 16:18, he taught, Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. In Ephesians 5, 6, he wrote, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Paul often warned against spiritual deception. James and John also provided similar warnings. Deception was a major problem even in the earliest churches and continues to be an area of concern today. Next up, verse 14, it reads, But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. In this verse, Paul encourages Timothy to be faithful. Faithful to what exactly? Besieged by false teachers and the inevitable pressures of a growing ministry, Timothy might have been tempted at times to abandon his faith or modify his doctrine. Paul counseled Timothy to look at his past, to be faithful to the things that he'd been taught about Jesus that he knew were eternally true. The false teachers might constantly move on to new and more exciting concepts and ideas for discussion and argument, but Timothy needed to stand secure on what he had learned and firmly believed. This did not mean that Timothy needed no further study, but that the basics that Timothy had learned from people he trusted would never change. Verse 15 is next, and it reads, You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. The question is, in addition to personal teachings about Jesus from Paul, where else did Timothy learn about the Lord? Timothy was one of the first second-generation Christians. He had become a Christian not because of an evangelist and preaching a powerful sermon, but because his mother and grandmother taught him the scriptures when he was a small child. For Timothy, the Holy Scriptures were primarily the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. The sources for Timothy's faith could provide more encouragement to continue in the faith. For example, his mentor and friend Paul provided an unmistakable example of God's faithfulness. Then there was the inerrant scripture that Timothy had studied and loved since childhood. Then Timothy's dear mother and grandmother nurtured and loved him and taught him the word of God. Scripture, God's word, teaches about salvation, but knowing scripture alone doesn't save anyone. In fact, many Jews had known scripture from childhood, yet had opposed Jesus and the salvation he offered. The scriptures show people their need for salvation and how to get it, and that is by trusting in Christ Jesus. Next, verse 16, it reads, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The question is, after noting the importance of the Holy Scriptures for wisdom and salvation in the previous verse, Paul makes one of the most important and frequently quoted statements in the Bible. What does this verse mean? First of all, Paul spoke of all Scripture. Do you see that? He was primarily referring to the Old Testament since it was complete at the time. But the scope of Paul's assertion would include any writing that was considered authoritative enough to be read in church meetings, which by the end of the first century would have included the four Gospels and Paul's writings. 
And according to 2 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, Paul's words were classified as scriptures. Next, Paul affirmed that the scriptures were inspired by God. The description in Greek is theonoustos. This is very literally translated as all scripture is God-breathed. This tells us that every word of the Bible was breathed out by God. The Greek language makes this particular description even more layered. The Greek root word, nuo, is P-N-E-O. It's used for wind, breath, a spirit, or the spirit. This is a wordplay Jesus used when speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 8. In a symbolic sense, in Greek, the word Paul uses is a model of the Bible itself, an extension of God's will, formed out of his spirit and in written form. So as such, Scripture is perfect. And because all Scripture is perfect, it is useful to every aspect of Timothy's ministry. Paul lists four applicable areas. They are, Scripture can teach us what is true. Do you see that? The content and teaching of truth must flow from and be consistent with Scripture. By calling the Bible inspired by God or God-breathed, Paul was identifying its divine source. By making it the source of doctrine, he was reminding Timothy of its authority. Teaching that contradicted biblical doctrine was to be rejected, corrected, or replaced by accurate teaching. Next, Scripture can make us realize what is wrong in our lives. The initial impact of true doctrine involves the confrontation of false teaching and understanding. The offensiveness of some who teach biblical truth may have to be excused, but the offensiveness of biblical truth to error and evil requires no apology. Next, Scripture corrects us when we're wrong. In other words, it helps us see our errors. In the area of correction, the Scriptures have two roles. Number one, they provide a complete presentation of the teaching where only part of the truth has been present. And number two, they provide for a right understanding and application where true doctrine may have been taught but has not taken effect. And lastly, Scripture teaches us to do what is right. It does this by showing us how to please and glorify God. The nature of Scripture allows us to teach it confidently and learn from it ourselves. The Bible is not purely a record of the past, the history of the Jews, and then of the church. Rather, every story, every prophecy, every teaching, every admonition, and every command points beyond to the author, God, who came to us in Christ Jesus. God confronts us in the pages of his word, telling us how much he loves us, how we can become his children, and how we should live to please him. Next is verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The question is, Paul concludes this chapter and section on Scripture stating it can do several things. What are those things? Scripture's purpose is to prepare and equip believers to do every good work. Timothy carried a heavy responsibility in Ephesus, but through his faith in and reliance on God's word, he was capable and proficient, able to meet all duties and challenges. Believers should study the Bible so that they'll know what to do and how to do Christ's work in the world. Knowledge of God's word is not useful unless it strengthens our faith and leads us to do good things. Next, let's move to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, which read, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, 
and encourage your people with good teaching. The question here is, had Paul said these words previously to Timothy? And if so, where? I'll give you a hint. You might want to check out 1 Timothy chapter 5. Also, what five specific commands does Paul solemnly urge Timothy to follow here? Paul had used these words previously in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 21, when he said to Timothy, I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. But this time, he included references to judgment and to Christ's return. Perhaps Paul couldn't escape thoughts of judgment as his own death was near. The time when Christ would come to set up his kingdom, although still future in Paul's thought, was so certain as to be part of this charge and encouragement to Timothy. If we're convinced that Christ's return is inevitable, we too will be powerfully motivated by that fact. So then Paul solemnly urged Timothy to follow five specific commands. The first command was to preach the word of God, the message of the gospel. The word suggests vigorous proclamation. Paul wanted Timothy to be bold and passionate. It was up to Timothy to preach the gospel so that the Christian faith could be spread throughout the world. Next, Timothy should always be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Some of your translations will say in season or out of season. Paul soon to die may have looked back on his life realizing how short the time had been. Paul urged Timothy to make the most of the time that he had left on earth. Timothy next would need to patiently correct those who were wrong by explaining the truth of the gospel, helping them to understand and accept it. He would also need to rebuke those who were sinning by explaining their sin and their need for repentance. Timothy would also need to encourage those who were growing, for even those growing in the faith needed more instruction and guidance. Patience should always characterize Timothy's attitude as he dealt with the people in his church. And the last way Timothy could encourage his people in this verse was by good teaching or doctrine. Paul said that should be the basis for his words. Next, let's look at verses 3 and 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. The question is, in these verses, Paul specifically addresses four concerns that would lead people away from God's truth. What are they? First, people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching because it said that they didn't want to hear, convicting them and making demands they didn't want to follow. Second, the people will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. In other words, these people would choose to follow teachers who would satisfy their itching ears, telling them what they wanted to hear, what they liked to hear, rather than the truth of the gospel. Third, those who fall away will specifically reject the truth. They will literally turn the other direction from the truth. If the truth says to go right, they'll go left. They will not live by the truth or even listen to it. Instead of responding to reason and conviction, they rebel against it. And lastly, these unfaithful people will chase after myths. What they would hear made sense to them and seemed true. It made them feel comfortable. So wandering away from the difficult truth of the gospel was easy. And now our last verse for today, verse 5. It reads, But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Our last question today is this. In this verse, Paul gives Timothy four positive commands. What are they? 
First, Timothy should keep a clear mind in every situation. In other words, he was to be calm, focused, and controlled as he interacted with people. Keeping his head would make him morally alert to temptation, resistant to pressure, and to be vigilant. Second, Timothy could not be afraid of suffering for the Lord, for the suffering, hardship, persecution, and struggles would only intensify in the days and months ahead. Many in Timothy's ministry would look to Timothy as their example. Third, Timothy was to work to tell others the good news. In other words, Timothy was to proclaim the gospel to all people at all times, calling on them to repent and be saved. And lastly, Timothy was to carry out the ministry God has given him. Whatever the obstacles, opposition of false teachers, problems of church administration, distractions, or discouragements, Timothy was not to allow any of them to keep him from his appointed task of carrying out the ministry God had given to him. How can we know when we fully carried out our ministry? By defining ministry in terms of lifelong goals rather than temporary jobs, positions, and opportunities. Then when life ends, we'll be able to say with Paul in 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Folks, that brings us to the end of today's study of 2 Timothy chapter 3. We started in verse 10, went all the way to the end, verse 17, then crossed over to chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. And what a journey it was. We saw how Paul reflected on the significance of his and Timothy's life together. Paul then gave the consistency of his own example and the trustworthiness of Scripture as two dependable guides for Timothy's future. And we also saw how Paul's words and actions created a seamless pattern for Timothy to follow. Next time, we'll complete our journey through Paul's letters to Timothy. We'll study 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 22, and we'll talk about Paul's final words and greetings. Thanks again for being with me today. Have a great rest of your day and week, and I'll see you right back here next time. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.